Thanks indeed for that. Now, further details can be had indeed uh, by quite simply going to galwaybfm.ie. That's galwaybfm.ie. And uh, further details, good few comments coming in. Dear Gwitch Keith, uh, I'm an engineer contemplating going back to college again, studying uh, graduate entry medicine to become a GP. It'll take me nine years to be fully qualified. The GP shortage will become much worse before new entrants come in. To make things worse, there is no loan in Ireland to support graduate entry medicine students. Uh, which doesn't seem right now at all, I have to say. Um, wouldn't it be great just to encourage people to come in? Uh, other calls come in to us uh, today too. Um, yes, I want, to, I want to deal with this one down here. Um, if, if I can just get it there for one second. Um, yeah, just bear with me for one second there and I'll get it for you. This one here. Uh, if Peter decides, that's Peter Gary. if Peter decides to go forward as a candidate for the East, I'll canvass for him. He'll be a godsend from independent uh, people, uh, this caller said. And uh, Keith, uh, this caller said, can you please, please uh, wish all the service users in Snipe all the very best tomorrow as they officially open the Bormore Community Cafe in the community centre tomorrow. Well, good luck with that. Send us in some photographs of that, uh, please, if you don't mind. And uh, now, though, let me go to uh, the telephone line because, as you heard, Earlier on, the uh, former teaching indeed, John Bruton, passed away following a long illness. Uh, one of his trusted servants in that period of time was uh, Paul Connington Sr. And Paul joins you on the line. Paul, morning to you. Well, good morning, Keith. Thanks for joining us. Uh, t- I didn't realise that uh, John was, was ill, but they're saying following a long illness as well. But you served with him indeed, um, and very close <coughs> to him. I did indeed on the, on the front bench for many years, and... Um, ups and downs of politics I had been with him as indeed all leaders have their ups and downs one of the things Kate I always thought about John Bruton first of all he was a great Irishman he had great time for the the agencies of the state and all that kind of thing and to ensure like that you know that the country was well run on normal democratic lines he was very particular about that type of thing and as well as that he he, he he had a wonderful um, view uh, and interest in the workings of the, the European Union. He, mm-hmm. he, he was a European to his heart, uh, in his heart, and he, he went out of his way on many occasions when, when it wasn't always popular to try to show the importance of what the European Union would mean to Ireland and indeed mean to the continent of Europe. Uh, and uh, so much so, actually, <clears throat> after he, he left politics, uh, he was uh, selected by all leaders uh, in the European Union at that time as their ambassador to America. And he That's was right. based in New York for, fi- for five years. And he was very highly regarded there because we used to be over there advocating for the, the Irish um, in England or in America, the undocumented Irish. That's and right. He certainly used to give us a, a good hand there at that. So... <laughs> He had he had many high points, I must say, and only this morning when I heard of the um, the King of England, <clears throat> King Charles, uh, had contacted cancer. He was the leader that then Taoiseach that invited Prince Charles to come on a state visit to Ireland, and it was a huge occasion. That that was the first time that the prince came in that capacity. Yes. And I'll always remember, I, I saw the people of Dublin come out hugely, and it was something that Irish people actually liked that time. Now, there were some sections that didn't like it, but the vast majority thought that it was a, 
a great hand of friendship and Broughton I must say was very good at that kind of thing now mm. um, he was I mean he had he had a, he had a great grow for um, he had a great grow for farming he had a great grow I mean his his if I'm right his mother uh, was one of the dailies from Ballinrobe, I do believe. Well, certainly they're all related. That is, that is correct. Um, but That's I mean, you're dead right, Anna. Go on. His his dad, uh, Joe Bruton, um, uh, who was a very very big farmer in 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 County Mead, he had great connections with Galway and uh, with the farmers in County Galway. He used to buy an awful lot of cattle at the vert, uh, at the fairs at the, that time in Ballinasloe and Mount Bellew and Loch and. He used to have land taken in the Borden in County Clare during the winter time. Mm. And many, many older people would remember the Brutons for that. In fact, John Bruton told me that he was with his father and, and Richard on a number of occasions coming down to the West to buy cattle. And, but that's a long time ago now. It certainly is. But you know what? He, um, he's, he's left his mark. Uh, Fanula, indeed, his uh, wife was very much always by his side, so she was, and supportive. Oh, very much so, very much so. Indeed, a lovely person she was too, I have to say. And uh, I always thought that one of his sons might might have a go at politics in County Mead, but seemingly that never happened now. And of course, as you know, only a couple of weeks, a month ago, his, his brother Richard has decided to retire another man that's put in a, a great stint for Ireland in many ministries over the, <clears throat> over his lifetime. Yeah, and a gentleman as well. I mean, I dealt with him when he was communications minister, or minister for communications Absolutely. recently, indeed. But uh, that's right. an that's absolute right. gentleman to sit in, in his office there just off Stevens Green, and he had a great grasp of his portfolio. And he was ahead indeed. And needless to say, Keith, <clears throat> there, there are always times that people are remembered more, sometimes for the wrong things. Everybody associates John Broughton with the time he was accused of trying to put <clears throat> um, tax on children's shoes. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that uh, it, that led to uh, the, the collapse eventually of the 1981 Dr. Fitzgerald government. But what happened then, of course, you'll remember this yourself, I'm sure, that <clears throat> there was three general elections in 18 That's months right. at that time. Yeah. yeah. And it was all... Only the second time round that Gavis Fitzgerald got it, that it lasted in until Mm. Um, 
was miles and miles and miles of lonely Galway roads canvassing in, in, in snow and frost and the devil knows what. But that's that's politics. <coughs> it is. Listen, I would do just a text in here to important to throw out there as well, but I would like to pass on my condolences on the passing of John Bruton. And that comes from John Donnelly, the former president of the IFA. Uh, oh, indeed, down, and they, indeed, he worked indeed, yeah. he worked well with John Bruton, so he did. He did, he did indeed, he did, he did indeed. Uh, and John Bruton thought highly of John Donnelly, I must say, as well now. Uh, mm. He did he did indeed. Um uh, Bruton also had um he, he, he had a great um, intellectual brain. He, 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 he was he was very good on many subjects. I have to say now, and a feature of his front bench, and I spent many many years actually on his front bench. Um, he'd always have a whole list of ideas. He was a real ideas man. Mm. Um, never a dull moment while John was around. He'd be throwing ideas out of, like uh, confetti at, at a wedding now, you know. And um, he, he, he was, uh, as well as that, sure, he'll always be remembered as the teacher that kept the three party government, themselves and Labour and the Democratic left, who had come in from the uh, outside at that time in the 19, was it 1994, 97 um, coalition. Mm. And that was a good government. Everyone believed it should be gone in six months, but it stood the test of time. And almost won the the 1997 general election, but didn't. And, of course, that's that's when Fianna Fáil got a foothold in for a good few years after the crash came in the 2000s, you know. All right. Well, listen, thanks for joining us uh, today, uh, Paul. And, uh, again, we'll be talking uh, tomorrow, indeed, um, perhaps to the likes of Porrick McCormick and others who remember, indeed, uh, John Bruton. Uh, thank you, indeed, uh, Paul Connington, the senior, indeed, joining us uh, there from his uh, time on the bench, indeed, uh, with um, uh, John Bruton. Quick commercial break, and we're back just after these are trending matters, and we are also look at sport on today's programme, and much more. Stay tuned for that and more to come. Uh, very good morning to you. Welcome into today's programme. Let's go to trending topics and our colleague Quiva Colleen sits opposite me uh, today. Quiva, we're looking at two issues today. We're going to start with electric vehicles um, today. And basically, are they really worth the cost of them? Because they're quite expensive. Morning, Keith. Yeah, I actually wanted to look into this because I saw a column in The Independent by Adrian Weckler. He's a tech correspondent for The Independent. And he basically opened it by saying he was at a charging point somewhere because obviously he owns an electric car himself and he wasn't getting a high enough charger like range mm-hmm. and the charger beside him was broken and it basically exposed a lot of flaws in the system. So I was kind of reading that and going, that's kind of interesting because you hear a lot of positive things about electric cars, mm-hmm. but of, with everything, they're still trying to work out the flaws with it as well. How can this be improved? So I just wanted to have a quick look into it. Now, I won't be getting too much into the whole this is how much horsepower they have and everything because that would get way too technical and I'm sh- it would probably bore a lot of people. It would bore even myself. So I decided to keep it very general. Mm-hmm. So the general pros from what I can see from electric vehicles or rather electric cars are that firstly, all the major reputable brands like Volkswagen, Renault, Kia, Nissan, Hyundai, all of that, they all have EV models. Mm -hmm. So already, you know, okay, they're kind of booking onto the trend, so to speak. And the government also seems to be pushing a lot for electric cars. They want to target that almost a million 
electric cars are going to be on the Irish roads by about 2030. And that includes both cars that are um, powered by a battery and cars that might be powered by a mixture of both your traditional engine and a battery as well. But even so, the EU have token, taken it one step further and said, well, we want the sale of fossil fuel cars, so your petrol and your diesel cars to just stop completely by 2035. And Ireland kind of has to fall in line with that anyway. So they, to an extent, they kind of have to try and slowly phase in electric cars into the market whenever they can. Um, and then SEI Ireland were also bring up these points as well that when you're looking at an electric car in terms of servicing sometimes it can that can cost a lot but some costs are kind of eliminated when you go electric you don't have to worry about servicing your engine anymore that cost is eliminated because if you have a battery car for example it's just you're looking at the cost of the battery as opposed to the engine which may still cost a lot but not as much as if you were servicing the engine so some costs would remain but for the most part it's relatively cheaper and um, when you're you can charge your car either sorry charge your car either at a charging point or you can install a home charger home if you have a driveway for example you can have a charger for your electric car so you can charge your home overnight like you would your phone mm-hmm. and you could also get a night meter installed so you can check how much electricity the car is generating when it's charging so your electricity bill would probably go up but in the long run, you might be eliminating the costs of other service builds completely in the process. But if they don't, if you can't charge the car, no more than what Adrian said about the charges that he pulled into you, if yeah. you can't charge, they've no use to you. Exactly. Abs- absolutely zero use to you altogether. That's actually one con that I noted as well, that if you don't, if you save, you don't have the money to get an electric um, charger fitted. At home, yeah? Yeah, I think the government does have grants for that, but say you don't hypothetically have the money, you would have to go to a charging point, right? But there's only so many um, electric charging points for so many cars, if that makes any sense. Like, even when I looked it up, ESB, you have like a a map of all the available electric charging points in the city. And from Galway alone, there was only about maybe 13 charging points, which sounds great. But if you're considering how much people in the city have electric cars, you have to wait a long time for someone to be done. And also different chargers would have different um, horsepower, so to speak. So Mm. there's that too. It It adds in a bit of a wait, especially if you're commuting. Now, the one benefit of this is motor tax on EVs. Most EVs are all, I think, is around €120. Euro. Yep, it's it, €120. It's the lowest band of vehicle tax, which actually surprised mm. me, but there you go. An incentive for sure. I think the government are also trying to ha- like introduce grants, or have grants rather, that if you buy an electric vehicle, say it's around 14000 15000 that you get like 1500 off of it. Um, Adrian did also mention in his column I think that the value is actually starting to depreciate a bit for cars which for electric vehicles rather which would make sense so if you were to hypothetically purchase one now it wouldn't be cheap by any means but it would have been a lot more expensive than when mm. they first appeared on the market We do need though more than 13 charging points in Galway both city and county indeed um, but if people want to check them out, they can do so on the ESB map. But it's the second time we've come across this. You have a clip, though, from Adrian Weckler on this. Yeah, he actually brought up the point. He was interviewing um, a Chris Kelly, who was the founder of this company called EasyGo, that do charging points, uh, not just in Ireland, but across Northern Ireland and the UK. And he actually brought up this point, which is very valid. And 
Well, she's going to have a listen to it. Right. It takes time to get power to the site to be able to provide power for the chargers. And again, just for somebody who doesn't know about these things, just to explain that. So there is actually power on the site, but we're talking about an order of magnitude of power, aren't we? That's, that's higher. Yeah. And that's that's where the, the difference is. And I think that's uh, where, where a lot of misunderstanding is picked up. Um, that it's not just the power that's there, it's the volume of power, the amount that's needed to put into your car. Um, you know, we, we, we look at the power coming into a home, for instance, and, mm. and a home typically takes in a power to a level of... And that's for just regular stuff that you do That's in your, your regular home. house, and that's your house at maximum capacity. Right, 13 um, kilowatts. 13 kilowatts at max. That's if you had almost everything turned on in your house. Yeah. But that, you know, that's, that's the limit that it can take. So, yeah, as you can see there you would literally have to do a, a total crash course in how to even use all these different apps that come with electric cars and now it goes in the first place whereas before with petrol and diesel you just go in to the yeah. filling station you just fill up your tank yeah we'll go from there exactly interesting uh, we're going to stay with trending matters uh, the second one we're looking at is in relation to apple and uh, eu only apple store um, but they're apple are concerned about security risks and i suppose rightly so but they've been very protective all along Mm, they have been. This, I'm not going to lie, this is a, again a bit messy, Keith. So basically, Apple have had to introduce a new version of the App Store within the EU only. So it's worth applying that this would only apply to Ireland, not mm-hmm. Northern Ireland, or the UK, Ireland, and EU countries, obviously. That the Apple App Store obviously is still going to be there. But now, other companies, so to speak, let's say Spotify or Netflix, within their apps, they can now advertise within those apps. For example, Spotify, when uh, this was announced, they said, we're now going to be able to advertise the prices of subscriptions within our apps. They have audiobooks beforehand. They couldn't tell you, we can't tell you how much this costs. You're going to have to go to the website. Sorry. But now they, under this, they can actually tell you the cost of the audiobook within the app and you can purchase within the app without having to like go to the website, which would make sense because Spotify is generally um, based off its app anyway. And, and yeah, are, are there concerns then that people that would have an app and that can charge through that app on their platform uh, that it leaves them open to security? Is that the basis that, of it? The basis, yeah. Apple have, have so basically this is all coming in through the new digital service or digital markets act through the EU. This is why Apple are implementing it. They have to under law. Now this will be implemented here by in Ireland by Commission Amon. And they're not happy because they've said in guides to developers, okay, we'll do this because we kind of have to. But if any malicious apps pop up or if there's any issues with apps that you download on the app store, we're going to be less able to help you. Like we can try and introduce authentication apps on these different app stores, but we can't guarantee that this will fully work. So Spotify also weren't happy with this and they put out a statement on their website being like, okay, here are the claims Apple have laid out. Firstly, they're charging about 50 cents every time you download an app on the Apple Store every year to Apple just to be on the iOS Store. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to say that Apple can bump that up slowly over time. They've also said that, well, Apple has said, oh, we're reducing the commission costs that we take from whatever you get on the app down to 17%. But they've kind of suggested that you're still paying as much to Apple as you were before, even if you pull your like app off this the Apple yeah, App Store and yeah. go to this alternative App Store, you're still paying as much to Apple. Actually, I have this clip here from one YouTube channel. They 
calculated the monthly costs because Apple provided a calculator to developers so they could see, okay, this is how much it's going to cost from now on under this uh, new legislation. And the costs were kind of extortionate, really. I mean, the clip will explain itself. However, there's an optional payment processing fee and a fee for first annual installs above 1 million in the last 12 months. One quick detail before we go to the calculator is that your first 1 million annual installs are free. But that fee applies for every install. So every two installs costs you a euro. That's insane. Let's see just how insane these numbers get. Oh, that's a $181,000 fee. That's a $181,000 monthly fee. Now I'm not great at math, so I'm gonna pull up my calculator quick. That's a $2 million a year bill because your free app went viral. That is actual insanity. This basically means if you're agreeing to these new terms and you make a free app that goes somewhat viral, you are now bankrupt. You are now out of business. You now have to pull the app from the app store because you have no money. That's crazy. That's absurd. Interesting, I have to say, from a casting's uh, point of view. Yeah. Uh, where's it going to go, finally? Um, who knows? I mean, now Apple will just have... To, there's nothing that can be done, I don't think, really. Apple will have to just sort of carry on out with this and just see where it leads. Um, Spotify clearly don't agree with their choices that they've made under the legislation, but it is technically keeping to the rules. So we'll just have to see, will Apple bump this up over time? They can't exactly pull back on the app stores because it's under legislation. But if the cost of if the cost of a free app is going to be one hundred eighty thousand per month just to exist on the app store, as that clip said, and if that's going to go up to two million a year, that's going to be unsustainable. Ah, it. Yeah, exactly. So all right, Kriva, thank you indeed uh, for uh, trending matters today. A lot of money involved, a lot of technology involved, and an awful lot of work to be done as well. Kriva Colleen, thank you indeed for joining us with trending thank matters. Thank you. Now, some comments coming in, €250 for a tyre and €120 to fix a puncture on an electric car. All big car makers are stopping or cutting back on electric car manufacturing due to the costs involved. And uh, Keith, I believe the uh, cheapest way to charge your EV is with the diesel generator. No, 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 no. That's all to do, so it is, with... um, uh, bus airing, isn't it, and what happened in Dublin. Oliver joins me and we're having a look back at the weekend sport indeed and what a weekend it was for uh, sport. Oliver, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Gaelic Games. Yeah, we're going to start with the news of the footballers because they drew with Ross Common. I know that's a game you listened into yeah, in, uh, in Hyde Park. Yeah, um, yeah it was, I mean, the weather just destroyed any chance of a spectacle on Sunday all and over the country. So everywhere you went to, you were listening to matches that were games of two halves, you know, teams playing with the Gale and then against it. And the way football is at the moment, it's probably easier to play against a strong wind where you just keep recycling the ball, multiple hand passes. Unfortunately, it doesn't make for much of a spectacle from a spectator's point of view. Over 6,000 paid into Hyde Park and really all you did was get cold <laughs> because uh, there wasn't an awful lot to be getting excited about. Galway were within three points at half time and then had the storm in the second half but found Roscommon equally as stubborn as Galway were in the first half. Big improvements, no question, on the defeat to Mayo the previous Sunday. Uh, but nonetheless, Porrick Joyce will acknowledge that you know there's quite a number of frontline players missing. I think he mentioned nine of what would be his starting 15 that are out injured at the moment. And no game next weekend. They have the weekend off. It's the first mini break in the football. But then they'll be heading to Tyrone in Oma next Sunday week. So we were wondering, will any of those players be back for then? 
No, we can't. And look, we have, like, we never complain about injuries, but we do have a, a, a long list of injuries. We, we just don't make excuses, which kilometers. It gives lads a chance to see where they're at. And again, we've got Patrick Egan in there today. A few lads, you know, he did a good campaign with Corrafin over the year. So he, they, they, they learn from these, these type of games, you know, make players common. It's tough physical in the high park. And once they can survive that a little bit, they'll survive what the match is going for. Mm, so as was referenced in that full interview that's up on goabfm.ie, it's highly unlikely you're going to see Damien Comer or Shane Walsh for Tyrone or most probably for a couple of rounds after that. The likes of Sean Kelly, who's so important to Galway, he could come back into the reckoning in the next couple of weeks. So you will probably see some sort of league action out of Sean. But he mentioned April and the fact is Galway go to London and it's the championship that will very much be the focus for not just Galway but for an awful lot of teams this year. There are counties like Kerry that will do enough to just stay in Division 1 without really having much interest in winning it. Mayo had a good win over Dublin on Saturday night in front of 15,000 people in Castlebar. How they won that game, I don't know, but they did. So well done to them. Mm -hmm. So Mayo, despite, you know, probably saying at the outset that they just want to do enough to stay in Division 1 they could find themselves in uh, a league final and then a week later be heading to New York and that's mm. the difficulty mm. that if they want to make this league a league that teams will take seriously they've got to put a bit of distance between the finish of the league and the start of the championship in order for it to make sense mm. for management teams when they're doing their preparations the Hurlers had a facile win over Westmeath on Saturday they won by 31 points. Um, you know, what use that is to anybody, I don't know. You know, you talk to Henry yeah, Shefflin yeah, after yeah. the game, they score 431 and he's not happy. What did you want, like 5, 101? I mean, it's just, it doesn't do anything. Of course, he's not happy because, you know, you tr he tries to instill a sense of urgency in players, but players are human. And mm. the reality is, when you're winning a match by 30 points, there's no way you're going to be Killing yourself on the at, pitch. The, at the level that you need to be in terms of concentration, mm. it's just not going to happen. Um, so next weekend, it's a different story altogether. So on Sunday, they go to Thurles to play Tipperary. And that, I think, will be a much sterner test of where Henry wants to this, this team to get to again mm. for the championship. So it's all about progress, Keith, this mm. time of year. I know we had a great colleges hurling match at the weekend. Just to clarify, both Prez Athenry and Rayfields Lockray march on to the uh, knockout seers, but uh, for Rayfields, who won their first title since 2020 uh, with the victory over Prez Athenry, they'll go straight to the semi finals. So uh, it was a thrilling match in Duggan Park, and well done to Rayfields. I think they led for practically the entire match and uh, they deservedly won the title. But uh, again, both of those sides, if they keep winning, could meet again in an All-Ireland final. Wouldn't that be some spectacle? Uh, soccer, mentioning schools, Keith, it's a big day today for Glenamadi Community School. Uh, they're in an All-Ireland final and one of their more famous past pupils, John Mulligan, is heading up to that. Get away. Um, himself and Mike Raff are going to be doing online commentary of that game. So if you want to hear how the Glenamaddy boys get on in that All-Ireland Senior B soccer final, uh, you can log on to goalfm.ie. We'll have coverage of that from one o'clock today. Um, Mario and Moore had a great win on Saturday, Keith. You can imagine how emotional that was with uh, the passing of Martin Horgan, the flags at half-mast and... You know, it was a just a particularly difficult fixture and match. Um, I can't imagine it was too difficult, though, for Brendan O'Connor, the team manager, to motivate his team. And they won 2-0 against Grange Vale from Cork to book their place in the last 16. 
Yeah, no, it's great. No, in fairness, as I said, it's our first time gotten this far, and as in winning today, putting ourselves in the hat for the last 16 is exceptional. It's just great for the club with everything that's happened in the last few weeks as well. Um, again, I'd like to say, like, I think Martin Horgan will be looking down on us, and that's maybe one for him today, so delighted, yeah. Mm, interesting, and yeah, well done to them for forgetting where they've got to. Yeah, and off to uh, Cockhill Celtic in the next round, which will be the weekend after next. Uh, three FA Cup replays cross channel tonight. And they include uh, Watford, Southampton, Coventry, Sheffield Wednesday and Plymouth Leeds. They're all at 7.45. And uh, we'll keep an eye as well on what's going on in Scotland because a familiar face has reappeared at 75 years of age. Neil Warnock, who's got such a a storied career behind him in management. Uh, He has managed 16 other clubs during his career. (laughs) So he gets around... Uh, he's going to be in the dugout for Aberdeen tonight against Rangers in the Scottish Premiership. So that's going to bring a, a very different feel to tonight's SPL. Rugby wise. Well, what an opening weekend in yeah. the Six Nations. What about Friday beautiful, night? Beautiful to see it happening in France itself. Magnifique, mm. the Irish. Mm. Now, France were shocking. Let's be clear. They were not <laughs> they good. Were shocking. Your man, Willemsa, is currently sitting before judge and jury. Uh, so they're having that disciplinary hearing. So he was the guy that got the yellow card that should have been a red card first and then came back on and decided, do you know what, just in case he missed it the first time, lads, I'm going to shoulder somebody into the head again and get a red card this time around. So he he could miss the rest of the Six Nations because, to be honest, they really should take the first yellow card into account as well. And the Mm -hmm. fact that here's a fellow doing it twice in the space of 15 minutes, absolutely crazy stuff from him. Uh, Although Ireland did wobble a little bit at the start of the second half when the French were given a very dubious second try to get back within seven. But Ireland ultimately went forward and got two more and and won the game convincingly by 21 points, 38-17. And they are now odds-on to go and win the Grand Slam, which is dangerous. They've got those three home games, Keith, that they Mm -hmm. should win, uh, Italy, Scotland, Wales. But before the last game at home to the Scots, they have to go to Twickenham to play England. And England weren't great against Italy that doesn't count for much though okay. later on you know so uh, anyway brilliant start for Ireland briefly show jumping news just want to give a quick mention to young Gort show jumper Jessica Burke who like so many around the country in so many sports uh, still have Olympic dreams of getting to Paris in the summer Super. she gave her hopes a big boost by finishing third in the Bordeaux Grand Prix and with the placings she had in the five other classes she ended up being the leading rider at the five star World Cup show which is big business when you consider the the amount of riders that come from all over Europe uh, to take part in that. So well done, Jessica. We're keeping our fingers crossed for you. Super duper, Oliver. And uh, thank you indeed. You'll be joining us uh, tomorrow again. But uh, thanks for joining us. Quick commercial break. And Sean Kane joins us next. Now, the wonderful Sean Kane sits opposite me uh, today. We are just talking there. I mean, you have a, you've, you've, you've a lot on, so you have, but you're taking some time out, uh, Sean. Morning to you. How are you today? I am very well indeed, Keith. Thank you very much. You got, you got uh, married last year, so you did, and you didn't go anywhere. I did indeed. I did indeed. I got married up in Tory Island, and that's somewhere. It was hard to get off there. <laughs> there, there, was, there, was, there was no honeymoon because you were back on the road again fairly quickly. Well, back on the road again. Well, it, it was just awful busy last year and, and uh, the previous year, so we've been working away, busy, busy, up and down the country, and uh, looking forward to it now again for this year. And, and you love being that busy because, I mean, you love performing, and I've seen you performing many, many times, but do you love being that busy? I do. I do like being that busy, but there comes a time then when you just need to take a little break from it. And it's to recoup again and to conjure up more ideas of uh, mm. keeping it going forward and what I want to do and so on. So it's, it's, a, it's a nice bit of time for maybe transition. 
And do you lo- when you say that you're going to take you're going to take a few weeks off now, um, will you switch off for a few weeks? Oh, I will. I can switch off very very easily. And take but then the head is working away all the time into the future because that's the kind of business we're in. You're always kind of you're all the time working in the head. You're all the time thinking away because. But do you need to switch it off then from time to you time? You do, you do. But when it comes naturally and you're all relaxed and everything, it's it's a nice it's yeah. a nice way to be. Echoing okay, new music then? Do you are you always looking at new music as it comes away? Well, I am indeed. We we do look at uh, at new music and a lot of people. Uh, I'm looking off to people, writers and uh, sending songs to me and everything. And I suppose that's one of the reasons I'm in here today because. Mm. Uh, a couple of years ago, I became ambassador to a wonderful organisation called Safe Home Ireland. Yes. And Safe Home Ireland, were, um, they were formed uh, 21 years ago. And their goal is to repatriate people who find themselves in various situations abroad. Um, I suppose it began 21 years ago with uh, Dr. Jerry Cowley up in Mayo. A wonderful man. Wonderful man. And uh, he met a lady who wanted to return from uh, Scotland to Ireland. And uh, he made that happen. And he thought there are a lot of other people out there in the same similar situation that this lady was. And uh, they have repatriated, I think, 3,000 people in the last 21 years. And so like, it's a lot. It is, but... You- how do I put this in the most diplomatic way? And I, I've, I've admired uh, Safe Home Ireland for a long, long time. But like we all know, we've been in New York, you've been in Boston, you've been in London, Manchester, Liverpool, mm. and you, you'll meet the the Irish person that would love to come home but doesn't know how to go about it. Absolutely. And, and those are people who may be able to afford to come home as well. But it's just absolutely. to get the organisation or get to, to begin to organise it or plan it. It's not yeah. easy. But if you go to Safe Home Ireland, their website, or make contact with them, they any questions, and they they cater for a lot of people. Like I immigrated back in the, the late seventies to to London, and I like a lot of other lads around. We went working on the building sites, and there were a place we could get jobs. That was expected, though, at the time. Hmm? That was expected. Well, it was, it was not alone was expected; it was necessary because there was no work at home, so we had to do something really. Yeah. As that, the way I put it, we didn't have enough cans to kick along the road to, to for everybody, you know. So <laughs> yeah. somebody had to go, but it was a great experience for me and probably I was over there when I was 17 and it was the greatest learning experience of my life. I had a wonderful time. I'd say in the two two or three years that I stayed there, I slept about 10 hours, <laughs> you know, because there was work every day, there was music yeah. every night. I was at an age to be able to take it. So it was wonderful. But I did work with some people uh, like the people who went over in the, the early 60s, late 50s, yeah. the people who were working on the motorways, for instance, they were always travelling with the road. So they were always out in the wilderness, kind of a long way from the, the nearest towns because mm-hmm. the, the, the motorways, obviously, they avoid the, the towns and so on. So those lads, they and probably girls at the time, they, they, they travelled with the roads, sleeping in the pipes that they would put under the roads as no. tunnels. Yeah, they would seal off one end of it, hang a, a, a tarpaulin on the other end, and that was their home for as long as they worked on the road. So it meant that they didn't get to socialise. And it meant that, you know, they found themselves alone at yeah. an age when they couldn't work. So those people, I think, was initially the people that uh, Jerry Cowley set out to to help. Uh-huh. But now there's the modern-day immigrant, the people yeah. with the IT and everything else, they're going to Australia all over the world. Some of them may not find... Um, uh, terra firma there either, you know. Or things, happiness. Or yeah, things may not go their way. No. And if they do find themselves in, in that situation, my job as ambassador, I think, is to let people know of the existence of Safe Home Ireland. Mm. Under any circumstances, you have a question for them about coming home to Ireland or being re- repatriated, then Safe Home Ireland are the people to contact. But when you go through the figures, and I, I spoke to, to Johnny about this a few, six months ago, indeed, when we spoke mm. about it, Johnny Broderick, Johnny B, but 
Like when you think about in excess of 3,000 people. Yeah. Given a new shot at life. And I met some of those people, and you ought to see the expressions in their faces. Like, it is a life-saving organization. They do wonderful, amazing work. And in order to heighten awareness, today we are launching a song contest Mm. on the website. So, songwriters can go on um, on the website, and they can submit their songs. And um, between now and um, September, we will be going through the, the songs and so on, and then I'll be recording a choice of songs that I will pick from that. So oh. it's in a way, of, a way of heightening awareness for Safe Home Island. It gives songwriters a, a chance to send in a song, submit a song. I will record it and it will get the airplay and hopefully you will play it and hopefully it's worthy of being played. Well, anything that you'll be involved in is more than worthy of being played. Um, so what's the best way of doing it? So if somebody's out there and they have a song, is that it that they can? Yeah. And is there a fee involved in it? There is. There's 30 euro per song or three for 75. So we do a looky bag version as well. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it is something worthwhile. And it's again, it's to heighten awareness for Safe Home Island. That, that's the objective. Mm and to get more people aware of it, and to get people to use it. I know they're, they're, they're very busy at the minute, but they're well able to take it. There's only a handful of people working in the organisation, and they do Trojan work. They, they really, really do. They really do. They do. And those that you've seen then, those that, um, those that have come home, sure, they've, they've got a quality life. That and as you said yourself, it's not that they can't afford it. Some of them can't. Yeah. Some of them can't, but the majority of people can but they yeah. just don't know how to take that first step. No, and the other thing about it as well, Keith, is they do have access to accommodation for people who qualify for accommodation. Mm. So that's another another thing worth bearing in mind for people listening today. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you're going to take a break for a few weeks? Yes. Are you going to behave yourself? Don't answer that. <laughs> and from there then you'll come back fresh and fighting fit. Absolutely. Back fresh and fighting fit. And we're up and down the country. We're going to Austria in April and we'll be back in Germany in October in November and uh, playing around the country here in Ireland up and down and does your wife travel with you? Uh, sometimes sometimes she does yeah, yeah. sometimes she does nice to spend that time she's probably glad to see the back and we're going out the door in that time too <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling too oh like, yeah. yeah you yeah. know you're doing the right thing by going <laughs> you know when you go to look for your coat that they've been rearranged and, and, and the colder ones are on the front line. so then that means maybe go for a walk and yeah, to take it off from there. Yeah, and just so and then, and so you are you in the states at all in the near future? Or are you sticking to Europe? We are. We have started the process of, of getting the visas, which uh, in Good recent time that. I know in recent time it has got uh, a bit ridiculous. It's just, it is. Yeah, it's very very difficult. It's gone very expensive. The whole process has got very complicated, more complicated than there was before. So. We'll see what happens. Mm. We'll see what happens. I love t- touring in the States. It's, uh, it's one of my first tours I ever did in my life. I was just 20 years of age when I went wow. to first to America and Canada. So and that was a six-month tour. So again, for a young musician, that was a, a wonderful experience. And, and do you bring all the crew with you then and everything with you? And, or do you go by, do you rent these big buses or do you... Oh, no, no. We, I go with a bag in my shoulder and uh, the, the instruments are in the bag and the lads have the instruments, uh, their own instruments. And that's usually the way we, we work because there's no point in bringing PAs and, and sound people to America because there's so many there. It's there is, and, yeah. Uh, excellent, yeah. excellent. And all the saw doctors and all, there's a gang of them in it, but they used to always rent the uh, the bus. Um, yeah. 
and then have it packed up with stuff as yeah. we're going. But that's hard enough work when you're stuck on the road like that. Well, I've done the bus tours as well uh, in uh, for six weeks in in the states, and the bus can get a bit small after week three and smelly. Yeah, and smelly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all windows open. But yeah. uh, it, it's it, it's a good experience. But that means then that you're generally travelling at night while yeah. you're sleeping. The bus has been driven, and you're going to the next venue. So you sleep in the bus and you eat in the bus and so on. So, yeah, yeah the bus becomes home for that length of time. It can be a great experience too, depending on the amount of people. And maybe at 20 it would be. But maybe oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. Now at your age, it might be the, the easiest year. Just for you go, best place to go for Safe Home Ireland, somebody wants to know the shop, let me. Well, I would say their website. Safe Home Ireland, their website would be .com, I'm sure. Um, that would be the way to do it. Uh, somebody said lovely man uh, Sean is a great singer musician ambassador and person well done Sean this uh, caller said and uh, Keith congratulations uh, to Sean on everything that he's achieved uh, we want to wish him the very best luck when will he be next in Galway next in Galway I was I here know. back in December uh, it was one of my first Christmas uh, gigs here in Galway but I'm always back um, here in Galway with between Different things come up, like fundraisers or something. Yeah, yeah. It might be last minute, and, and whenever you do I'm give your time very handy. Hmm? You give your your time very freely to all those fundraisers. Well, it? I do because it is nice to give something back. Like I don't know why I'm in this business, you know. As they say, <laughs> I, I was just born with what I have, and I'm I'm using it to the best of my ability. I hope, but that's about it. I like to give back to people, and it's nice to see it help people. And mm. if if what I do can help people, then there's no greater satisfaction, really. Listen, it's lovely to have you. Thanks indeed for joining us uh, today. Good luck and mind yourself. Mind that chest infection you have as well. Take it nice and handy and have a nice holiday. Go Thank so you very much nice. Sean Kane joining us in studio. Tomorrow on the programme, Retail Accident Ireland warns of the uh, mass closures if the government does not intervene on the whole VAT uh, situation. That's uh, causing concern out there. Mike Holland joins us tomorrow. We're looking at sport. Also, we're looking at motoring with Jerry Murphy tomorrow. The Irish Hairdressers Federation are calling on the government for immediate support as well. And uh, we're looking at uh, Venture Community, indeed, will take place this month with all the proceeds uh, going to Athenry Adventures RPG Youth Club. Uh, Whispers on Main Street uh, by Marie O'Connor. We're looking on that at uh, that uh, tomorrow on the programme she's a local author and history talks indeed we're looking at Ross Abbey that is it for today John Morley produced and uh, Siobhan took all of your comments from you it's really Keith Finnegan until t- tomorrow morning indeed just after the 9 o'clock news have a good and a very safe Tuesday talk to you then bye bye